Well, it's that time again, the time that we celebrate all the wonderful women that helped us be all we can be. I'm talking about moms. So moms, M is for the many things she gave me. Hey, 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 hello, what, what you doing, what you doing? I just thought we might do a song for the moms for Mother's Day. Hi, moms, hi. Hi, mommy, this is for you, mommy. M is for the many things she gave us. We get it, we get it. M is for the many things she gave us. We get it, that's very cute, that's very cute. Oh, you're pretty quick for a bald guy. Everyone join in. Oh, I just thought that we'd do a heartwarming message for all the moms out there instead of a campy little song. Oh, means that I owe her all I Okay, 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 you do it your way, I will do it my way. Moms, we owe you so much. Thank you for being there. She is for tender, sweet caresses. H is for her hands that made a home. You've made a home. You've made a home, home on the range. Okay, stop it. She did make a home on the range. You probably called it like a stove, but we had a range at my house. She made that word home. Oh, that means so much. We still long to be in your presence. We still long for you to be proud of us. And yes, we still long to come home. Okay, this isn't working. What? No, no, no. You, you're faking it. I am not. You're forcing the no, tears. No, it's real. No, no, no. This does not work in any way. Oh, this works. The song works. This does not work. I just thought we'd speak from the heart. That's what moms <sighs> want. You know what? Mom always liked you best anyway. <laughs> we don't even have to say mom. It's everything you've done to help me. Like that time you helped me find my shoes in first grade and in college. And there was that time also that uh, Tammy Cornball broke up with me. Crazy last name, right? But she was really a sweet girl until she broke up with me. And I was sad, but you made me feel better. You brought in some chocolate chip cookies and some milk and you made, you know what? What can make me feel this way, mother? Talking about my mom, mommy. And R stands for right, and right you always shall be, right in our eyes, right with the values that you instilled in us so sacrificially, and right in how you taught us to love God and love others. And so mothers, today we say to you, them all together they spell mother, the word that means the world to me, the word that means the world to mama. When I said I didn't like your meatloaf when I was five It's not my fault, it needed salt But that doesn't really matter Happy Mother's Day Happy Mother's Day Happy Mother's Day Happy Mother's Day So I love my mom, and this week, my heart said, right after Pam reminded me, (laughs) my heart said, get mom a card. See, my heart, as we explained last week, is the center of us. It's our will. The will is the freedom and the creativity to bring something into being. It's the ability to say yes or no, and don't ever say no to your mother or to your wife if she's close by. (laughs) What influences the heart is the mind. 
The mind is what gives us consciousness. It is where our thoughts come from. It's, it's, it's our, our, our feelings. It's, it's our values. It's our conscience. The heart and the mind collaborate together and then instruct the body what it should do. The body is our own little kingdom. It's where our will has the right to rule over our habits and our desires. And so my mind said, I feel that it would be the right thing for us to get mom a card. The will said, great idea. They said to the body, go take care of that. And so the body, along with Pam, went to the store. The mind said, that's a good card. And the body reached out, grabbed the card. And then Pam said, how about a gift card? And the mind said, dummy, why didn't you think of that first? And so then the body went and picked up a gift card at Macy's because mom likes to shop at Macy's. And so the body put the card into the greeting card, and then the mind said, write something really nice to mom on the card, which I did, and then the body took the card to Delta Sonic because they've got one of those little post office things, and I was so late that I had to use their post office and send somebody, ours, and so it got mailed. Now, coordinating all of this is the coach, if you will, that takes care of all of this happening, and it's called the soul. The soul is what integrates all of this together. The soul is that part of us that is God-aware. If you take away the soul, then you are only self-aware. In a healthy soul, the body has been trained to obey the will. In, in likewise, the will, in turn, consistently chooses what the mind says is good. And then all of those parts work together in harmony to peaceably connect to God, to creation, and to the people that live around us. God says, I have created this one very specific purpose, and for the soul, I give a very specific goal. And here's what it is. We, we are reviewing a little from last week, and here's what we learned last week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We are made to do that. The way that this functions, what it does... As it, as it loves, is a word that we learned last week, and we understand it is the word to bless. At any given time, today, tomorrow, next week, we are either blessing or cursing. We are either giving good or we're withholding good. One is blessing, one is cursing. And cursing is more than the words that come out of your mouth when your cat surprise attacks you. It can be the tone of voice. Oh, yeah, sure, I love you. It can be the cold shoulder. It can be silence. In fact, the better we know someone, the more subtle and cruelly we can curse them by withholding good. Our souls are made to be blessed and will begin to deteriorate without 
the blessing. When we do not feel blessed in life, we begin to deteriorate. So God had rescued the Jews from their captivity, brought them back to their land, and they begin to rebuild a community that would love God and love people. As time wore on, they began to only mouth the words because their souls were pointed in the wrong direction. And when life wasn't fun anymore, they began to blame God. When they could not obtain the reputation, the power, the, the possessions that they had previously, that they thought they were entitled to, because they knew that they should be that nation, that group of people that was on the top of God's best loved list. And so they whined. They said, where are you? Why aren't you taking care of us? You promised. Why haven't you given us what you've promised? Why are we in this mess? So God sent a representative to give them a clear view of how he requires them to bless God, to bless family, and to bless the community so that they would stop deteriorating. It is my opinion that we live in a culture right now that believes that, that because God's love is so always present, ask anybody, yeah, God is love, whatever God you believe in, he's love, that all our actions are pre-forgiven and non-consequential. That God loves me so much that whatever path and whatever action I take, I'll be okay because he loves me so great that he's going to give me that get out of jail free card and everything will be fine. So whatever path you want to take, it's going to be great because God's going to get you there. And Jesus shows up which is, and he's God in flesh and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. It is not a wide path of action. It is a narrow path. And the question is two parts. The first question we're familiar with, which is, do you know how great God's love is for you? Do you know how much he loves you? Yeah, it's great. But the second question doesn't get asked. And the second question is this, how much do you love him? So when these Jews showed up to the temple 450 years before the time that Jesus would show up at the temple and cleanse it because not every action is acceptable, they came to the temple and they would bring their sacrifices and they said, God, where are you? We've done everything you've told us to do, and we don't feel your presence. We don't see you manifest yourself like you did before. We don't see the answers. Our lives are miserable, and they're falling apart. Why aren't you doing your job? And the answer to that is this, that blessing invites blessing, and cursing ushers in cursing. I want to say that not every, not every tough moment is a curse because he, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. But there are those times, there are those cases where we have self-inflicted wounds. And so I want to take you to the words of this representative Malachi in dealing with this. And so Malachi 2 says this, Judah has cheated on God, a sickening violation of trust in Israel and Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the holiness of God by falling in love and running off with foreign women, women who worship alien gods. God's curse on those who do this, drive them out of house and home. Isn't this a great verse for Mother's Day? Yeah, it is. It's great. They're no longer fit to be part of the community, no matter how many offerings they bring to God of the angel armies. And here's a second offense. You fill the place of worship with your whining and sniveling because you don't get what you want from God. 
Do you know why? Simple, because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride, and now you've broken those vows, broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. I hate divorce, says the God of Israel. God of the angel army says, I hate the violent dismembering of the one flesh of marriage. So watch yourselves and don't let your guard down. Don't cheat. And you're saying, well, where's the good news? I'm getting there. Hang on. So what would happen to these men that they're willing to risk God curses? And those last couple of verses make it very clear. They didn't guard their spirit. You say, well, what is that? It's this right here. The body, mind, and the will. That is your spirit. Last week, we talked about the psalmist David who spoke to his soul, who is the coach of all of this that should get all of this integrated, and he said to his soul, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. We talked about that, what that would mean. Get yourself in alignment with God, and then you will have blessing. Similarly, as he goes through this book of Malachi, he also says, I want you to bless something else. I want you to get this in line to bless family. Failure to bless family is an invitation to deterioration. And this is a big deal to God. God really cares about family. He cares about you. He cares about your family. It's a big deal to God. You say, well, then, then, then how do I do that? How do I practically bless my family? So let's talk about this. When God created the nation of Israel, he appointed priests who were responsible for leading Israel into blessing God, blessing family, blessing community. And he said, you do it this way. Speak this and also then intend to do this. And here's what he said. They should say this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If we want a healthy family, if we want a healthy community life, he said, I want you to live out this intention. So here's how we bless family. The first thing we do is that we speak and live out these words, I will deliver good into your life. So would you say that with me out loud? I will deliver good into your life. See, every, every family that I've ever dealt with that's beginning to disintegrate is because they are, have become very selfish instead of soul-ish. And that is a difference of where you are looking. What is your direction? So the Jewish men were becoming interested and in focusing on the non-Jewish women they became very fascinated with them, and they had become, the women had become very appealing to them. That was the beginning of the deterioration. Because I believe that when God created marriage and, and that the two would become one flesh, that they would come together in body and spirit, that God created us in his image so that, that as this relationship would go on and on in the years, that there would be this continuous discovery, a fascination of the person that you said, I will be with you forever. That, that in the same way that they now sit or, or kneel before God and his throne and, and, and in front of Jesus and they're clearing, holy, 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 and they bow down and they look back up and they go, holy, holy, holy. It is a, it's a continuous process of them looking at God going, wow, I didn't know that about him. 
And that will go on forever and ever because you can't reach to the bottom of the depths of who God is. And I think in some ways he's created us in that way so that we discover who that person is that we said, I want to be with you forever and that we have become one flesh. So when these guys began to take their focus off their bride of their youth and focus on somebody else, what they had was done at that moment was that focus and attention which was to bless the person they were, they were studying and discovering got moved over to this person over here. No longer was the good being given, but it was being taken away, and therefore the cursing began. And when you look long enough, it begins a dysfunction. It reverses the order. It says, I'm going to block the soul's desire to be God-aware, and I'm going to become very self-aware. And what happens is it reverses. Now the body says, whoa, I like what I see. So it says to the mind, I want you to stoke up a really strong, fiery passion for what I like. And so the mind now has this intense passion, and, the, and that, that passion then attacks the will and conquers willpower. And what happened is that then these men began to divorce the wives, dis disrupt the family, marry those other women, and those women brought into the marriage relationship foreign gods, which further deteriorated the community. Selfish says this, I'm disappointed, not the Lord bless you and keep you, but I'm disappointed because you aren't making me happy. And I can't tell how many times I've heard people say that, you know, my family's not making me happy, my marriage is not making me happy, and I, I, just, I, I just dare you to find in the scripture any place that it says that God made marriage for happiness. Find it. He didn't say to Adam, it is not good for man to be unhappy. He said it is not good for man to be alone. And then he said he put them together in spirit and body so that they could discover God together because in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Together. Not in the presence of my spouse who makes me feel better about myself because only God can do that. If I expect Pam, and, and I'm really sorry, Tom Cruise, but Pam doesn't complete me. God completes me. So for me to put onto my wife the need for her to make me happy is an unfair demand. Because when we come together, we come together as broken people. And as we, as we get together, we may help each other heal, but it is God who heals us. My wife can't be Jesus for me. Your spouse cannot be Jesus for you. In fact, Paul the Apostle made it pretty clear that the same degree of joy can be obtained by one who focuses just on loving Jesus when they don't have a spouse. And where God lives, it's not our marital status that defines us, it's our redemptive status that defines us. Who's our God? In the same way, our children can't be Jesus to us. Otherwise, we have reversed the umbilical process. 
We are demanding that our children be the source of our life. We are demanding that they be our emotional nourishment and our meaning and community. So I say to my son, do really good. Do good, do good, because if you do good, I'll feel good. And if you do good, I'll look good. And we put the pressure on them. You've got to excel, because I'm guilty of it. I would much rather brag to you this morning that I have a son who's working on a second master's degree because it makes me look smarter. I brag about that. What I don't brag about is the same kid. The same kid flunked health class. You didn't hear me walking around, hey, my kid flunked health class. Give me five, all right. He's, he's, he's the same kid who got kicked out of Christian school. And I'm a pastor. Yeah, I'm so proud of him. He got kicked out of school. It's it's really strange when you sit there with the teacher and the teacher says to you, well, first of all, he never turns in any, any, any homework. He started to, he tried to start a fire in class. And I'm going to just tell you the way it is, so get ready. In addition to that, and, and this was a very, very conservative teacher. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting to the good part, really. She said, I don't know how to say this to you. And she turned red when she said it. She said, your son passes gas in class. And he likes it. Oh, the Lord bless you and keep you. What do you do with that? What do you say to your kid? The Lord bless you. Yes, you do. Because this scripture says this all is based on covenant. And covenant says no matter what happens, we're stuck with each other. This is the way it is. And the the working definition of covenant is this. If it matters to you, it matters to me. And what matters to you right now is I know that you are hurting. And I'm going to find a way to get you healed up. So I'm going to pray this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord protect you, and I will be his agent for your protection, and that in the same way while he's hanging on the cross, he gives up everything to cover us. I will do the same for you. So I will be with you, and in those rough moments, I will still say to you, I love you. I'll still say to you, but I see this good in you. Even if I have to really dig deep to find it, I'm going to find the good. I'm going to say to you, this is what I see, how God created you. This is what I think he's doing in you. This is what, these are the skills that I see in you. I'm going to help you still grow. And I'm going to be proud of you. And whenever you need me, even if it's midnight, when you walk in, and this one son was notorious for this, he'd come in at midnight, and we'd be asleep, and he'd wake us up and want to talk. I want to say, what's wrong with you? But we sat up and we listened because we have this covenant relationship and if it matters to you, it matters to us. The Lord bless you and keep you. You can't get rid of me. So I want you to hear this morning one person describe the difference between a father breaking a blessing and a husband reestablishing the blessing and the covenant. I want you to see how powerful a blessing is when it overtakes a cursing. I want you to hear the story as sung by Kelly Clarkson on Last American Idol. 
towards the airport, leaving us all in your past. I traveled 1,500 miles to see you. I begged you to want me, but you didn't want to. But piece by piece, he collected me up off the ground where you abandoned things. Yeah, piece by piece, he filled the holes that you burned in me. Yeah, six years old, and you know, he never walks away. He never asks for money. He takes care of me, cause he loves me. Piece by piece, he restored my faith that a man can be kind and a father could stay. something of myself and now you want to come back but your love it isn't free it has to be earned back then I didn't have anything you needed so I was worthless piece by piece he collected me off the ground where you abandoned things yeah piece by piece he filled the holes that you burned in me six years old and you know he never walks away he never asks for money he takes care of me cause he loves me piece by piece he restored my faith that a man can be kind and a father could stay Peace by peace Peace by peace I fell far from the tree I will never leave her like you left me and she will never have to wonder her worth because unlike you I'm gonna put her First, and you know he'll never walk away. He'll never walk away. He'll never break her heart. He'll take care of things. He'll love her piece by piece. He'll restore my faith. Sorry. And a man can be kind, and a father should, and a father should be. Great. To bless means that I will deliver good into your life. In those toughest moments, in the moments when you resist, in those moments when you disappoint, 
in the moments when, you, when I feel like you're just, you're just not listening, you're just not getting it, and you're, you're defiant, and you're stopping, blessing still says, you can't get rid of me because I know how you've been created, and I know what God has for you, and I will stay after you, after you, after you, and the pieces of life that you think are broken, I will pick them up, and with God's help, we will put that back together again because that's what families do. The Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine on you. So we say, I will face you. Say that with me. I will face you. See, I think families struggle when when they're not going toward each other. Look at your calendar this week. Look at your family calendar and see if you're spending more time going from each other instead of to each other. Blessing takes time. It takes face-to-face. It takes eyeball-to-eyeball. I I love the the teacher and and pastor, Chuck Swindoll, tells this great story. He said, when his grandchild was young, she crawled up in his lap, and she began telling him a story, and she just was talking really fast. She couldn't stop. She just kept going. Finally, he said, honey, 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 honey. Tell Grandpa slowly. And she grabbed his face with her little chubby hands and squeezed it, and she said, then you must listen slowly. If we are too busy to relax, too busy to rest and laugh with each other, we are close to cursing, not blessing. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. That wording actually simply means this, that I want you to be aware that he is always present and that he is present right there, present. He's there and he's focused and he's beaming. And I want to represent that to you. As I was thinking about how he does that, I was thinking this week about my grandma cook. She was short, she was portly, and, and, and she had this booming voice when she would sing, and she baked like nobody could bake. And at summers, we would go and visit, and sometimes I would spend weeks with Grandma Cook, and when we arrived, the front door would open, and Grandma would look out, and I would see her face beaming because she wanted to see her grandchildren, and I knew that I was the most important one to her. It's exactly how I felt. And she would beam and she would say, well, gentleman Jack, how are you? She would take me into the kitchen and she'd be baking apple pies. Oh, nobody could bake an apple pie. And then she would have the leftover dough and she would take cinnamon and she'd put it in the dough and she'd roll it up and then she would bake it and she called it a pig is what she called that, that, that thing that she baked. And, and sometimes she baked before I got there and she said, I made apple pies and I hid a pig for you. Now, I probably would, if I investigated, would find out she said that to all of us. But I prefer to think not, that it was just me. And she would take me, and I would, I would try, I would climb up in her lap, and I'm not even sure it was her lap, because she, she was just kind of there. And, <laughs> and, and she would sing to me, and she would read a story to me. And I just knew this, that she was present, and she was focused, and she beamed because I was there, and and she wanted me there not because I qualified, but simply because she chose me. I think that's what Jesus did for us. 
If you read the scriptures, it said he picked the 12 so that he could be with them. That's all it said. He could just be with them. I will face you. Families need to find ways to move toward each other. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? Carly Minogue. Oh. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Oh, God, I wouldn't have a clue. I know, straight up. Paul Hogan. Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. I'd like to have dinner with Justin Bieber. <laughs> what? He's not coming to my house. So, um... <laughs> I'd have Bob Hawke. Dave Hughes. Barry Humphreys. Jimi Hendrix. People who have made a difference in the world, maybe Nelson Mandela at the dinner table. Uh, I don't know what he's going to say, I'm scared. If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, oh. who would you choose? Probably a whole family, like a whole extended family. Mum and Dad. <sighs> Mum and Dad. Does it have to be a celebrity? Family. We love it. We talk about how school is. We ask mum and dad how their day was. Family. Yeah, mum and dad. Family. Who would you guys like to have a dinner with? They just want to be with us mm. while they're eating food, which is pretty cool. They see us above everything. I'm gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of, bit of a message in it for me. Yes. <laughs> what are we having for dinner? Family is really important to God. And He said, I want you to bless because families crave blessing. So I will face you, and I will also do this. I will give you peace. Would you say that with me? I will give you peace. And, and I was thinking about that this week, and I think there's got to be three important components if we're going to really bring peace. The first is this. I have to possess integrity. That means that all of this has got to be in line if I'm going to be able to bring peace to my family, to those who are part of my family and even community. And, and I like the words of, of John Ortberg who says this, the ultimate enemy of a healthy soul is sin because the soul cries out for wholeness within the person and between the person and God and others and creation. It's the nature of sin to disintegrate the sinner. If I gossip unfairly about you, I have to train my face to disguise my contempt when I'm with you. I have to distort my own thoughts to rationalize my self-image. And over time, gossip becomes a habit, and now my bodily habits are ruling over my will rather than having my body serve my will. My feelings of resentment toward you are inev inevitably at war with my desire to be at peace, and I cannot live deeply with God while holding on to defiance of his will. My soul becomes disintegrated at every level all the time. And we talked about this last week. How do we bless God so that doesn't happen? And so, first of all, I've got to be integrated. I've got to be sure that my soul is leading this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, I'm telling you. Bless my family, soul, I'm telling you. Secondly, I have to own grace. 
And, and, and I can't, I honestly can't give something that I don't have. So sometime in there, I've got, to, I've got to have spent enough time with God that I really feel comfortable that he has full control of the situation I'm in and that he has given me the ability to do that thing. And family is a, is a vital component. When I graduated from college, I got an invitation after Pam and I got married right out of college, I got an invitation to go to a church to lead its, its music program. I didn't, I didn't major in music. I minored in music, and, and, with, with, and I sat under some wonderful conductors and, and musicians, and I learned by observing, and I took music theory, but I, just, I wasn't trained for that. And so this invitation came, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And, and, and Pam said, I think you've got it in you. And my parents said, you've got this in you. And they saw something in me that I didn't know that I had. And God knew it was in me, but I didn't know it was there. And I was fearful that I, would, that I didn't want to risk this. But they said, we see this in you. And it wasn't just some word of compliment. It was truth. It was reality. Because they had said, if you don't got it, you're not going. But they said, you've got this in you. And God's, God's going to give you the ability that you think you're missing. And for seven years, I did that in that church. And it was absolutely wonderful for me. And I never knew it was in me. See, that's what grace is. He said, I, I want you to have grace. Grace is the ability to do what you're facing at this moment. And it was the words of, of those of my family that encouraged me to understand that he could do that through me. And then thirdly, if, if I'm going to bring you peace, then I have to understand your pain. Blessing can't be in a hurry. And so I've got to be committed to the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace means to have an unthreatened and undisturbed spirit. And you can't have that if you're in pain. And I can't bring you healing unless I know where your pain is. And so that if you're part of my family, I'm going to start delving down deep because your rebellion against me is not just necessarily that you just don't want to do what I want to do and it's sin nature in you. It may just be there's a fear in you and there's a pain in you and I've got to dig down deep and find out what that is. And sometimes you're going to come back at me. Sometimes we understand this, that, that hurting people hurt people and I'm going to have to be just like Jesus was for Isaiah said this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And so I'm going to take that pain. I'm going to have you reflect it back to me, and I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to dig down deep and ask you why it is you hurt and find out what that is, because I want to bring you healing. I want you to have peace. So even on this Mother's Day, some of you celebrate. And quite honestly, some of you hurt. To bless is to understand pain. That word understand means to be close by. It means to be among. It means to move close enough to that pain that you begin to understand it and you are there for the person. You may not be able to do much other than be there and understand it, but it's the beginning of the healing process. So on this day called Mother's Day, whether you're celebrating or you're in pain, we bless you. This is a complicated day, just about as complicated a day as August 2nd, 1987 was. It was my son's fourth birthday, 
but it was also the day a dear friend of ours buried their 11-year-old boy. Reconciling events like this seems impossible, and yet life is full of many just like them. A couple celebrates 50 years of marriage while a young bride grieves the loss of her soldier husband. Weddings and funerals, sorrows and joys, triumph and tragedy. It's Jesus turning water into wine and weeping, hearing Lazarus had died. In this life, there's no way that we will have one without the other. Not in this life. Today is a day set apart for honoring mothers, and it's an honor I will humbly accept. In spite of many shortcomings, regrets, and failures, I would do every challenging, frustrating, hair-pulling, tender, and rewarding moment over again in the beat of a heart. Being a mom is truly my greatest joy on this earth. And perhaps it's the magnitude of that joy that makes me acutely aware of the women who, in the midst of this hallmark celebration, are not celebrating, but grieving. They are sitting beside you, or across from you, or behind you. They've had miscarriages and abortions. They've been abused, betrayed, or neglected by their own moms. They're barren. They've never been married, but so wanted to be. Their own mom died this year, and they've lost that unique and precious friendship only a mother and daughter can share. They've buried a child recently, and their grief seems unbearable. The ones that are not sitting beside you are in prison, laden with guilt and believing that they are a failure as a mom, and that guilt is eating them up. And some are just not here, just because in their minds and for a million different reasons, they simply cannot be. Rejoice with those who rejoice, the scriptures say, and grieve with those who mourn. And so we try. We try to somehow mesh the celebration and the sorrow, recognizing both, diminishing neither. On August 2nd, 1987, I left the graveside of my dear friend with many tears and a heavy heart. But on the way home, I stopped. I stopped and bought a bouquet of balloons and candles for the cake that I'd baked that morning and prepared for a great celebration of life for my four-year-old son. And I believe that in no way did I lessen the reality of either event. Today, I encourage us to celebrate and honor mothers the scripture tells us to, and it feels so right to do so. But may we also pause and intentionally bless with our words and our actions, being especially sensitive, sensitive to those who just might be struggling on this joyous but rather complicated day.
So here we are with a, a wide range of emotions this morning. It's what happens in family. And family matters to God. It matters so much, he said, I want you to bless family. It is my expectation. So that you bless family by saying, you, we are covenant together and you can't, you can't disconnect from me. And so no matter what you're going through, I'm going to, to bring good to you. Family is connecting together, finding the ways that we keep connecting and, and keep finding those moments to be together so the culture will not tear us apart. And blessing is to bring peace, to understand pain. Blessing brings healing. So whether yours is a nuclear family or a blended family or a collected family of friends, we are made to be blessed and we are made to bless. So could I encourage you, no matter what kind of family that you have, that you would take this most important blessing that God himself designed for us and would you, would you place that someplace where you will see it on a regular basis? Will you begin to pray that over your community of friends or your family? And would you find ways to absolutely bless? It's what gives God pleasure. And blessing brings blessing. And so I'm going to invite you to stand. And I don't want you to forget you have opportunity to have pictures taken today with family and friends. Take advantage of that. And I want to bless you. So if you would like, take even a posture of receiving the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father. Son and Holy Spirit. God bless you. Be nice to your mom.